Hello. Welcome to Old Man Yells at Spaceship. Our story today includes killing time, pondering the unknown, and living with anticipation. This is End as a World by F.L. Wallace. The original text, written in 1955, contains one instance of a racial term that is now outdated. I have substituted a more appropriate modern word. Every paper said so, in all the languages there were, I guess. I kept reading them, but didn't know what to believe. I know what I wanted to think, but that's different from actually knowing. There was the usual news just after Labor Day. The Dodgers were winning or losing, I forget which, and UCLA was strong and was going to beat everybody they met that fall. An H-bomb had been tested in the Pacific, blowing another island off the map, just as if we had islands to spare. Ordinarily, this was important, but now it wasn't. They put stuff like this in the back pages, and hardly anybody reads it. There was only one thing on the front pages, and it was all people talked about. All I talked about, anyway. It began long before. I don't know how long, because they didn't print that. But it began, and there it was, right upon us that day. It was Saturday. Big things always seem to happen on Saturdays. I ate breakfast and got out early. I had the usual things to do, mowing the lawn, for instance. I didn't do it, nor anything else, and nobody said anything. There wasn't any use in mowing the lawn on a day like that. I went out, remembering not to slam the door. It wasn't much, but it showed thoughtfulness. I went past the church and looked at the sign that was set diagonally at the corner, so that it could be read from both streets. There it was, in big letters, quoting from the papers. This is the day the world ends! Some smart reporter had thought it up, and it seemed so true that that was the only way it was ever said. Me? I didn't know. It was a bright day. People were out walking or just standing and looking at the sky. It was too early to look up. I went on. Paul Eberhard was sitting on the lawn when I came along. He tossed me the football and I caught it and tried to spin it on my finger. It didn't spin. It fell and flopped out with crazy bounces into the street. The milk truck stopped while I got it out of the way. I tossed the football back to Paul. He put his hand on it and sat there. What'll we do? He said. I made a motion with my hands. We can throw the ball around, I said. Nah, he said. Maybe you've got some comic books. You've seen them all, I said. You got some? I gave them to Howie, he said thoughtfully screwing the point of the ball into the center of a dandelion. He said he was going to get some new ones, though. Let's go see. He got up and tossed the ball toward the porch. It hit the railing and bounced back into the bushes. That's where he usually kept it. Paul? called his mother as we started out. Yeah? Don't go far. I've got some things I want you to do. What? he said patiently. Hauling trash out of the basement helping me move some of the potted plants around in front. Sure, he said. I'll be back. We went past another church on the way to Howie's. The sign was the same there. This is the day the world ends. They never said more than that. They wanted it to hang in our minds, something we couldn't quite touch, but we knew was there. Paul jerked his head at the sign. What do you think of it? I don't know. 
I broke off a twig as we passed a tree. What about you? We got it coming. He looked at the sky. Yeah, but will we get it? He didn't answer that. I wonder if it will be bright. It is now. It might cloud over. It won't matter. It'll split the sky. That was one thing, sure. Clouds or anything weren't going to stand in the way. We went on and found Howie. Howie's black. He's smaller than we are, and twice as fast. He can throw a football farther and straighter than anyone else on the team. We pal around quite a bit, especially in the football season. He came out of the house like he was walking on whipped cream. I didn't let that fool me. More than once I've tried to tackle him during a practice game. Howie was carrying a model of a rocket ship, CO2 powered. It didn't work. We said hi all around, and then he suggested a game of keep away. We'd left the football at Paul's, and we couldn't, so we walked over to the park. We sat down and began talking about it. I'm wondering if it will really come, said Paul. We all squinted up. Where will the president watch it from, I said. He should have a good view from the White House. No better than us right here, said Howie. What about Australia? Will they see it there? I said. They'll see it all over. Africa, too. And what about the Eskimos? It doesn't matter whether they'll actually see it or not. It will come to everyone at the same time. I didn't see how it could, but it didn't feel like an argument. That's what they were saying on TV, and you can't talk back to that. Everybody, said Howie. Not just in this town, but all over. Wherever there are people. Even where they're not. You read that? said Paul. Sure, said Howie. You lent me the comic books. It's even in them. We didn't say much after that. I kept thinking of the man who made the H-bomb. I bet he felt silly and spiteful, blowing up an island. Somebody might have wanted to live on it if he'd just left it there. He must have felt mean and low when something really big like this came along. We talked on for a while, but we'd talked it out long ago. There was really nothing new we could say. Every so often we'd look up at the sky, but it wasn't going to come until it got here. Finally, we drifted apart. There wasn't anything left to do. We walked home with Howie, and then I went with Paul, leaving him to come back to my house. I looked at the lawn, and without thinking about it, got busy and mowed it. I surprised myself. It was hot, or it seemed to me it was. I went in to eat. Ma came by and shut off the sound of TV. I could still see the picture in the other room. The announcer was making faces. But, of course, I didn't hear what he said. He looked pretty funny, I thought. I thought we were all probably pretty funny, moving our mouths and blinking our eyes and waving our hands. Only nothing real was coming out. Not yet, anyway. Sit still, said Ma. It will happen without your help. It's going to be all right. Think so? I said. She would have told me anything to keep me quiet. She gets nervous when I fidget. I think so, she said, giving me my allowance. It was early for that. Usually I didn't get it until after supper. Why don't you run uptown and watch it from there? Maybe I will, I said, dabbling my hands in the water at the sink. Are you going to go? Of course not. Why should I get into that mob? I can watch it just as well from here. Sure she could, 
but it was not the same. Everybody I knew was going to be there. I changed shirts before I left. I took a rag and wiped the dust from my shoes. I wasn't trying to be fussy or dressed up or anything. Just thought I should do it. There was shade and sun on the streets and a few big clouds in the sky. A car slowed down and stopped beside me. The window rolled down and Jack Goodwin leaned toward me. Going uptown? Yeah. Want a lift? Sure. Actually, I didn't. I'd rather have walked, looking around as I went. Jack Goodwin grinned as I got in. He's got gray hair, where he has hair. The rest is bald. He looked me over. I don't see any comets on your shoulders, he said gravely. I never had any, I said. Some people seem to think everyone under 17 is a kid. You'll be needing them, he said. Maybe, I said. I ought to have walked. I never knew how slow a day could pass. I suppose I should have slept late and kept busy doing something. This was worse than putting on a uniform and waiting until game time. At least there was a coach on the field to tell you what to do as he ran through the drill. Jack Goodwin stopped at a light. I had a notion to get out, but I didn't. Goodwin grinned again as the light changed and we started up. I don't blame you for being edgy, he said. It's the suspense. If we only had some way of knowing for sure. Radio, maybe. There's no radio, I said. The calculations have been checked. Sure, but maybe there's something we forgot, or don't know. All sorts of things can go wrong. He must have talked on and on, but I didn't listen. Howie and me and Paul had gone over everything he was saying. Thanks, I said as he stopped and I got out. Don't mention it, he said. He nearly scraped the rear fender of the car as he drove off. It was a new car, too. He wasn't so bad. Maybe he was just worried. I wandered to the newsstand and looked at magazines and pocketbooks. Old Lady Simpson didn't ask me if I was going to buy and didn't chase me away. She was busy arguing with some customers. Even so, it was the first time she didn't pay attention to me when I came in. I had a good chance to look at things I never buy. There was nothing in them I wanted to see. I was thirsty. I had a Coke and was still thirsty. I asked for a glass of water, drank half of it, and went out. Down the street there was a TV set in a store window. I watched it. They were showing a street in India, people looking up. They flashed all around. Italy, China, Brazil. Except for their clothes, it wasn't much different from here. They were all looking up. I did the same. For the first time, I noticed there was a slight overcast. Big billowing clouds had passed, but this was worse. I hoped it would clear away in time. Not that it really mattered. It was more crowded than usual for Saturday, but at the same time it was quiet. People were shopping, but they weren't really buying much, or else they bought it faster. Nobody wanted to miss it. They all seemed to have one eye on their lists and another on the clock. Howie and Paul came up the street, and we nodded and said something. A few other boys from the school passed by, and we stopped. We gathered together. It was getting closer, and the space between the minutes was growing longer and longer. I looked at Paul's watch. He said it was on the minute. I decided there was time to go in and get a candy bar. All of a sudden, I was hungry. I didn't know where it came from. I'd had to stuff down lunch not long ago, and now I was hungry. 
I went to a store and had to fight my way in. People were coming out. Not just customers, but the clerks and owner, too. There was a big television screen inside, but nobody wanted to see it on that. They wanted to be outside where it would happen to them. Not just see it, have it happen. The store was empty. Not closed, empty. I turned and rushed out to join the others. I couldn't miss it. There were still minutes to go, but suppose there had been a miscalculation. I knew what that would mean, but even so I had to be there. I would almost die, too. Now we were all looking up. All over the world people were, I suppose. It was quiet. You could hear them breathing. And then it came. A flash across the sky. A silver streak. The biggest vapor trail there ever was. It went from this side to that side in no time. It split the sky and was gone before the shock blast hit us. Nobody said anything. We stood there and shivered and straightened up after the rumbling sound passed. But there was the vapor trail that stretched farther than anyone could see. It would go around the world at least once before it came to an end somewhere in the desert. I saw my science teacher. He was trying to smile, but couldn't. And then there was the pharmacist who had wanted to be a research chemist, but wasn't good enough. In front of me, old Fred Butler, who drives the bus to Orange Point in King City, cracked his knuckles. Did it. He whispered, all the way to Mars and back, safe and right on schedule. He jumped up in the air and kept jumping up. He hadn't been that high off the ground in several years. He never would be again unless he took an elevator, and I knew he hated elevators. Factory whistles started blowing. They sounded louder than Gabriel. I wonder if he heard them. I grabbed hold of the nearest person and started hugging. I didn't know it was the snooty girl from the next block until she hugged me back and began kissing me. We yelled louder than the factory whistles. We had a right. It was just like the papers said. This was the day the world ended and the universe began. That was End as a World by F.L. Wallace, originally published in the September 1955 issue of Galaxy Science Fiction. This has been Old Man Yells at Spaceship. The Old Man can be found on Tumblr, Old Man Yells at Spaceship, and on Twitter at OMYA Spaceship. Our theme song is The Universe Speaks by Arthur Vink. You can hear more at soundcloud.com slash ArthurVOST. We hope you enjoyed our story today. See you next time.